Christ is risen. Christos was crazy. Christos Aimbiat. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's nothing to increase one's possible joy than to be in a car for four days and eight hours with four little children. But this is about the time, typically, that Pascha and its radiance seems to be out of our rear view mirror. That Pascha and all of its joy seems to, the volumes turn down, the warmth lessens. But it was part of the Paschal joy, actually, to be at the funeral of Matushka Chelsea's grandmother, Fritz Ann. For she was someone who, in her own particular small ways, spread Paschal joy. She was someone who always had little sayings. I'm sure you've met some of these folks. She died at 95, so she had collected quite a few of these little sayings. One of these sayings was cold hands, warm heart. I'm sure you've heard this saying before, but this is something that she would say, I heard her say it multiple times, and when I, because I, I think I'm the lone clergyman in the broader uh, family, of course, then I got tapped to do the funeral. When I brought this up in the homily, everyone started shaking their hands, knowing exactly this phrase. Cold hands, warm heart. Obviously, there's a physical meaning to this, right? You encounter somebody and they have cold or clammy hands, but you can feel beyond the physical interaction that there is a warmth that overflows that is bountiful, that is beyond just the physical. And this is what Fritz Ann meant. Obviously, there's not a cold encounter just because my hands happen to be cold. That doesn't mean anything because you can tell the warmth that comes from my heart. This deeper meaning that Fritz Ann had won is also indicative of a life, these little bits of wisdom, they didn't come to her because she read a quote book or something and liked to just kind of share her findings. She had had a life of struggle. And so when you hear these bits of wisdom and the fathers teach us to find wisdom wherever we can, there is a deeper meaning Cold hands, warm heart. No matter what is going on around you, no matter what it struggles, whether it's the post-Paschal blues, or whatever particular things make a frigid environment and maybe even affect you, there is still a warmth and a depth and a love deep within. Now this love, this warmth, for Fritz Ann wasn't just a kind of sentimental, syrupy, cheap love. The love that we hear sung about in pop songs. 
At least they used to sing about that in pop songs. It's not to be confused with lust or liking someone. Love, as we encounter, especially in Scripture and especially in our Lord, is something so much more than this. We see love in the example today, especially of Joseph of Arimathea and the holy myrrh-bearers. Theirs is a love that is not sentimental, but it is a love that has hands and feet that are ready to move, ready to work. But let's first look at St. Joseph of Arimathea. Scripture tells us that Joseph was prominent, and he was himself awaiting the kingdom of God. And knowing that Jesus had died, Scripture tells us that he took courage. Why would it take courage for Joseph to approach Pilate and ask for the body of our Lord? Well, Jesus wasn't very popular. <laughs> there was already all sorts of fear. We see it in the disciples and apostles who abandoned our Lord. We see it in the yelling of the crowds from Holy Week. We see that Joseph, even though he has a prominent place, he takes courage. Love takes courage. Love requires courage because love is something that is going to act whether there's opposition, whether there's persecution, loss of social standing. Love requires vulnerability. And let's be honest, in our day and age, true vulnerability requires courage. The possibility of loss, the possibility of not receiving in the same love that is given. Sentimental love cannot be truly vulnerable. Sentimental love really wants to parade itself around. That's why it's syrupy. That's why it might be very loquacious, very full of lots of words, lots of emotion, but there's not much follow-up to it. St. Joseph expresses his love by taking courage in the face of possible rejection, recrimination, the loss of his prominence. When we look to the holy myrrh we see the depth of love that is called forth for a Christian life. And that the holy myrrh are very practical in their love. They are attentive to detail. The Synoxarion, the church's reading for this particular Sunday, has that Joseph did an incredible work. He took our Lord's body down from the cross, wrapped him in linen, anointed him with spices, and put him in a new tomb. The myrrh noticed that Joseph had done something, he had missed something in his speed to get our Lord in the tomb. There was no myrrh anointing our Lord's body. So the holy myrrh are going to go to a corpse that's been a day in a tomb. 
not even knowing exactly how they're going to get in, but they are driven by an intense devotion to the one whom they had been following for years. And they're going to anoint his body with myrrh. This is a love that is not practical. An expense, because myrrh is expensive. This is a love that is not practical in its time. When did the holy myrrh bearers get up? What does scripture tell us? Before dawn, very early in the morning, the myrrh bearers are up and they're going as soon as they possibly can to the tomb after the Sabbath. This is a love that expects nothing in response, nothing in recompense, because they are showing love to our Lord's body. This is practical in the sense that they are paying attention to incredible detail to a devotion to our Lord and the specifics of anointing his body with myrrh. But at the same time, it's not practical in our kind of utilitarian, pragmatic measuring out. It's expensive, it's time consumptive, and it's something that's done without any sense of return. There's not going to be a social media response. There's nothing is going to happen in response. This is going to be the myrrh bearer's and their intense love and devotion for our Lord. Sentimental love cannot accomplish what Joseph or the Merbears did. Sentimental love will skimp. It will not spend the time or the money. Because it's tight on time. It's tight on money. And it expects something in return. This morning we encounter also in the epistle reading... What love in reality looks like in a community. Strife occurs. Some people do not feel like they are being attended to. There is division, strife, discord. People's feelings are hurt. And what does the church do in response? The church, like the Merbears, organizes. They expend time They look to set leaders, and then they love with practical, intense attention. So they organized, and they loved. This was not sending thoughts and prayers, which are always nice, but this was actual attention to the problem. This is also the commemoration of St. John the theologian, the apostle, the friend of God, the beloved one. I encourage you this week as we contemplate love in the actions of St. Joseph Arimathea, the Holy Merbears, and the early church, that you turn to St. John, especially his first epistle, 1 John, and read and contemplate St. John tells us, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Elsewhere, John writes, How can we love God, whom we have not seen, if we don't love those that we see? Cold hands, warm heart. 
Those cold hands can be warmed by following the example of St. Joseph, the Merbears, the early church, looking to what St. John, the theologian, and the apostle tells us. That love is something that creates its own warmth, its own life. It is something that sets us on the path to encountering the risen Lord. This is one of the great paths for us to constantly stoke the Paschal joy, the Paschal love. Setting something before us that's practical to do, that might mean an expense to ourselves, or it might mean a sacrifice of our time, or it might mean that we aren't going to receive anything in return, not even recognition. But this is the love that keeps the Paschal message alive in our hearts. It's exactly this love, this joy that is emphasized throughout these Sundays so that we aren't forgetting or feel embarrassed to say Christ is risen when we encounter each other, to when we come to church to remember that we are the disciples of the one who loves. This is the day of resurrection. Let us be radiant for the feast and let us embrace one another. Let us say, brethren, even to them that hate us, let us forgive all things by the resurrection and let us cry out, Christ is risen. Christos Voskresi. Christos Anesti. Christos Anesti.